0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. What a special service this is for us to gather and, and pause and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus and respond. And tonight we're gonna to be responding together by taking communion. But I wanna share with you some, some thoughts about what Jesus has done for us. And really before you can ever really understand <clears throat> Sunday or the resurrection, you need to understand the purpose. You need to, we need to understand our condition we also need to understand what it was that Jesus did the night he was betrayed. This is such a special time. And anytime you, you, you open up the scriptures, there's this overarching theme that God really wants to be with you. It's not a theme that God's mad at you. It's not a thing that God's frustrated at you. It's a theme that God really wants to be with you. He really wants to be near you and he really wants you to be near him. And this season that we're in is about recognizing that. This isn't a religious thing. It's not a, uh, something we do just because it's tradition. This is a time we pause and we see that message. We see the message in scripture that God wanting to be with humanity, but there's something, there's a chasm in between us and God, and it's called sin. It's called sin. We live in a world that has two different ideas about humanity. One idea says man is good, and therefore everything they think, everything they do is good, because man is good. So let man do whatever man wants to do, because man's good. Then you have another side, which is the biblical side. That man is depraved. We are born into sin, we are born with it marking our DNA. Our hearts are evil, our thoughts are evil. We have nothing in us that is good and we need a savior. The one who says that we are good says we don't need a savior because we're good. But the one who fully comes to grips that we are born not good, we are born depraved, is the one who then says, then what? And then God says, that's why I sent my son, to save you. So we come tonight on Good Friday. And we need to understand again that as man was born, we came from another man named Adam. As humankind was born, we came from Adam created to rule and reign, created to be in relationship with the Father, created to reproduce and create his own kind and righteousness, but Adam sinned. Adam fell. He rebelled from God. He actually rejected God. Satan tempted him. Adam took the bait And they thought this, they thought we can be like God. And that's what one side of humanity says. We're good, we're like God. Whatever we say is truth is truth. Whatever we say is good is good, because we're good. But Adam decided he wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. That was what the whole temptation was. He says, hey, if you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. He says, wow, that's that's a great deal. That what, what that means is I don't need to depend on God. And so this thrusts humanity into sin. Not only did sin enter the human race through Adam, but Adam as our, our, the first human sold us into slavery to Satan. Romans 5.12 says this. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men. So to understand Resurrection Sunday, which is going to be a glorious time together, and this is going to be a glorious time as well, we need to understand why the decision was made for Jesus to go to the cross. The night of his arrest, his enduring of the mocking, the whipping, the crown, the crucifixion. And so there was a chasm between humanity. God created us to know Him, God created us to be His children, God created us to be intimate with Him, God created you. To actually, to have a relationship with him. That's why you exist. He's he's the creator, we're the creation. And the reason why he created us is to know him. And sin puts this gap between God and us. David writes this in Psalm 51, 5, he says, I was sinful at birth, sinful sinful from the time my mother conceived me. How can that be? I mean, babies are so cute. Well, it's the nature though, the sinful nature that all are born into. That's why you don't have to teach a child, a toddler to lie, cheat, steal, bite, slap, get angry. You don't have to teach them that. It comes natural to those sweet little things. Why? Because they're, they're born with a sinful nature. Ephesians 2, 3 says this. Like the rest, we were all by nature deserving wrath. So why are we deserving wrath? Because we were born a sinner. Sin corrupted and stained our very nature. This is why when you, th- when you think of someone who doesn't know Christ or this is why, when, why, why is it that sin comes natural to us? Why is it that we have these tendencies to lean towards sin? It's because it's, it's marked our flesh and our, and our DNA. And so someone needed to save us. According to the Bible, every aspect of our being has been impacted by sin. It's corrupted us, it's corrupted the earth, it's corrupted lives, our lives, our emotions. It's corrupted our minds, it's corrupted our motives, it's corrupted our bodies." Titus 11:5 says, "Those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. And because of this nature, we ourselves all have sinned. We have have lust in our hearts. We have hatred, we have lied, we have rebelled from God. Knowing what is right, we have chosen sin. Isaiah 53, six says this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. The point of this is not to make you feel bad, but the point of this is is for us to see how glorious and wonderful Jesus is. For you to understand there's nothing within you without Christ. That is good. He's the best thing you got. Because he's the only thing that's good and he made you good. So God, we need to understand God is holy. Without Christ, God is holy, yes, and we are not. To understand God's heart fully and receive the blessing of Good Friday, we need to understand the pervasive nature of sin in our life. You must understand your condition without Christ. See, the Christian life is not to make light of sin. It's not to say, I can sin because I'm a Christian. It's for us to understand the cost and the weight of sin. And the truth is this the more you see the bitterness of sin, the sweeter the work of Jesus becomes and when sent into the world through Adam it marked us with guilt with shame with regret with pain with brokenness it left us with a severed relationship with God and there's nothing we could do about it we couldn't fix our brokenness because we're broken we couldn't fix our distance from God because we're distant from God So knowing, God knowing we were helpless and hopeless enacted a plan from the beginning of the garden because you were on his mind because he knew you couldn't make it without him. He's, because mankind was corrupted and evil advanced and he crafted a plan. After, after Adam sold us into slavery, God enacted a plan. And God says to Satan from the seed of the woman from the human race will come the one who will set the human race free and bring them back to me. This is my plan. And he enacted a plan that had nothing to do with you. but had everything to do with his plan and his faithfulness for you. Genesis 3.15, God says about this, he who would come and deliver mankind from sin, he says, he will crush Satan, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so God chooses to bring this, this Savior, Jesus, which they don't know what his name is yet, to bring him through a bloodline and he chooses Abraham. The bloodline of Abraham is first called Hebrew, the Hebrews and they're called the, Jew, the Jews. It's the journey of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people... They were a type and shadow of what was to come. God isolated this group of people because he had a plan to bring forth the one who would crush the head of Satan and deliver you and set you free. And so the Jewish people were instructed by God once a year to observe what's known as Passover for the purpose of remembering what God did, how he delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. And the night before Jesus was crucified, was passover and Jesus was having passover with his disciples he's having the passover meal the traditional meal to remember how the Jewish people were delivered from slavery out of Egypt and Jesus says this as he's taking it we've heard this before but as we come to this table tonight I want you to understand this he says he says listen for now on Luke 22:19 I want you to do this eat this meal drink this cup eat this bread do it in remembrance Of me now. And so during this meal, there are four promises every Passover that they will rehearse. And and so they rehearse the promises that God made to the Jewish people, how He would deliver them out of slavery. And this is what the promises say out of Exodus 6 God says to them, I will bring you out from underneath the burden of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and I will take you as my own people. Now this, again, was a type and shadow that would be expanded through Christ. But this is the promise that comes through the table as we come to tonight. It's God reminding us that it was his choice, his work, his efforts, that he brought you out from underneath the burden of slavery, of Satan. Satan. That it is he who will free you from being slaves to them. He will set your mind free. You will no longer think like a slave if you understand your identity and who you are. That it is he who will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Yes, it was then the outstretched arm in Egypt. But as we get to the New Testament, it was the two outstretched arms of Christ that redeemed you. He said, then I will take you as my own people. In other words, I will take you from your lost, broken, hopeless, corrupted life and I will take you from that and I will place you into a life that's worth living. But there's gonna be a cost. And so as Jesus sat down, he would have rehearsed these four things with his disciples. At one point he says, as he was rehearsing This third statement, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. He says, and this cup is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, not the blood of the lamb from Egypt, but my blood will be poured out for many. So for these disciples in Jesus, they had come to the end of this meal. For all of those in Israel, Passover was almost over for Jesus, though Passover had just really begun for him. So he gets it from the table, his disciples follow, and I want us to go to the garden of Gethsemane tonight. And in Matthew 26, 36, then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. So on Passover, Jesus comes to this place. He comes to pray, he comes The night he's going to be betrayed. But I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Passover has another name. But actually it's called, it it has another name they used to call it. It's called the night of watching. Or night to watch. And and the reason it's called that is because it goes back when they were in Egypt. I want you just to picture for a moment. God had given them instructions to take a lamb. God had told them wrath was coming. And this is what they need to do to avoid the wrath that was coming, the death. Take a lamb, kill it, place the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the house. Judgment and wrath is coming. And if you have, now catch this, if you have the blood of the lamb that has suffered death, the wrath, that wrath, death, will pass over your household. If you do not, judgment and wrath will kill the firstborn son in the house. That's what's going on as they remember what happened in Egypt. So the night comes. Imagine being in Egypt and as a Jew, you place the blood on the doorpost. You did it. You've never done this before. And so you do it because Moses said, and so you do it. You've gone through the instructions of what the meal is. You've taken the, ma- the lamb. You've eaten it hastily. You've done all these things. And now you've, you've put the blood. And now you're inside the house. You've had the meal. And now you're waiting. Now listen. And now you're watching. Because you don't know if God's actually faithful. What you do know is wrath. And hell is coming. Death is coming. And you begin to hear the screams of the Egyptians up the road who didn't put the blood of the lamb on on, on the doorpost of their home. And they're screaming. They're shouting about their son. And you're filled with this deep sense of uncertainty. I'm sure the mamas were holding their firstborn son. Fear was setting in. Will God keep his word? Will God save us? And so you aren't sleeping. You're watching. And you keep checking your firstborn son. Is he breathing? It's like a a newborn. Remember, if if you've ever had a newborn, you run running. Are they breathing? Are, are Are they okay? Is the firstborn son alive? Is the firstborn son alive? So in the morning, as the sun comes up, as you check your firstborn son's alive. You realize that God kept His word, and the death and the blood of the lamb on your home caused judgment and wrath to pass. And as you walk out in the streets word begins to spread. It passed over. But then along with that comes this word that what do you mean we're free? What do you mean Pharaoh said we could leave? What do you mean we can just walk out of here? What are you talking about? Yeah, the wrath of God came and passed over us and now we are free. We're not slaves anymore. He's the one we follow. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who purchased us. So we're his now. We go where he says. We do what he says. Because he has delivered us from the hand of slavery. So Jesus, the night, to remember Passover, is in the garden. He's praying. But this night is different. There's a heaviness about Jesus. Passover was different. He said different things that they never said before. He washed their feet. He said something about someone betraying him. And so Jesus comes here to the Garden of Gethsemane. The night of watching. His disciples come with him. He invites Peter, James, and John to come a little closer Matthew, who was there but wasn't close to him. Matthew writes this about Jesus at this moment. He says, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, so he's speaking to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So this word watch is connected to the wrath of God that is coming, the death, the the judgment is coming. Watch with me. Mark writes that Jesus began to be troubled and deeply distressed. This word troubled here actually means there was a a shocking awareness. It was sudden, shockingly, he, he could see something land on Jesus. This word actually means there was a feeling of deep terror. So remember, Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. We know that. But we, at this moment, we see him as God being aware of all he will endure. Being aware that the suffering that awaits him. And we see the man who has never sinned. We see the man who has never felt shame. We see the man who has never felt guilt. We see the man who has never been distanced from God. That's who he is. But a divine exchange was going to happen in the next several hours that he was going to take our place so that we could take his place. But suddenly, this becomes aware to Jesus. And here's Jesus, knowing tonight is the night this is what this night represents. So, so, so just, just open your heart for a moment. Jesus knows this is the night. And he knows that all of creation has been longing for this. This is the night that Satan will bruise my heel. This is the night I become the Passover lamb. This is, this is the night that begins the shedding of my blood. This is the night that my blood begins to to be the price to purchase mankind back from Satan. This is the night I become a substitute. This is the night I begin to pour out my blood for many. This is the night that begins with the weight of the world's sin being placed on me. This is the moment for which everything within time and space has been planned. From the beginning of time leading to this moment Everything can explain what is happening right now. Jesus is the where. He knows this is the night I become the substitute for the whole world. This is the night. This is what this represents is why God sent me. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. This is it. Luke twenty-two forty-four says this. Jesus being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweats became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was sweating. They were rolling off of his forehead. The sweat was rolling as his head was down, dripping off the tip of his nose. He was in anguish. And then this is what he says, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This cup actually has two references. One is it's the cup of God's wrath. In the Bible, God's wrath is many times described like a destructive drink being poured out On mankind, and as it as it is poured out, they stumble and fall because of it. And in order for sinners who can do nothing for themselves to be saved, to be made whole, Jesus knows He's going to have to drink and suffer that wrath in our place and your place. This cup is God's righteous fury against all the sins of the world for all time. And Jesus knew this is the hour. That hour had come. John 12, 27 writes, now my soul is troubled. Jesus says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This hour for Jesus as we prepare our hearts to come to this table was so unimaginably stressful. Now listen, even the Son of God asked three times that this cup of suffering would be passed from Him, would be removed from Him. I want you to imagine being judged for every sin of every person who ever lived. This is the cup that Jesus is talking about. This is what he's holding. But also this cup that Jesus asked to be removed from him is this. It's the cup of God's salvation for mankind. His drinking of this bitter cup of wrath for our sins results in our sweet rescue from the grip of Satan and the condemnation of hell. And it's in this moment, God the Father did something that had never happened before between the Father and the Son. The Father rejects the Son's prayers three times. Jesus prayed three times. Have this cup removed. And each time, God, the Father, answers with a silent no. Don't tell me that God doesn't love you. Don't tell me that God doesn't care for you and what you're going through and what you're dealing with. His own son said, if there's any way that this cup could be passed for me, God says, son, I've got to save them. He says, I've got to save you. got to save them don't tell me that God doesn't see you don't tell me that God doesn't care doesn't know who you are doesn't feel your pain and doesn't walk through difficult times with you don't tell me that God looks the other way when you pray don't tell me that he laid his own son down so that you can live don't tell me he doesn't care for you He loves you and he laid his boy down so that you can live. It's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane that he says, not my will as a man, but yours be done. Jesus knew sin must be paid for for you. And Jesus being fully aware of the content and the wrath and the salvation in that cup says, yes, God, yes. It was in this moment that he set his will to the cross. Not being forced, it was a choice. He said, Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly there's nothing more you need to do there's nothing there's no more groveling there's no more you don't have to punish yourself anymore you don't have to say yes but god i gotta satisfy some of your wrath i gotta somehow do something to, to, to pay for some of my sins it's been paid for jesus drank the whole cup Jesus paid our price, the stripes on his back, the mocking, the beating, the cross, the spear in the side, the humiliation, him being naked before all of Israel. He consumed the punishment we deserve. He who knew no sin (laughs) became sin for us. Both God and the Son were not willing to allow us to endure what we actually deserved. And so this night represents Jesus saying yes to you. Jesus saying I will stand in their place I will take the punishment they deserve. I will become the substitute for all of mankind and within myself embody it and drink the cup fully, totally. I will consume it. Because of you. As Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, if there is no Gethsemane, there's no Calvary. If there's no Calvary, there can be no empty tomb. If there's no empty tomb, we cannot be forgiven and become a child of God. Thank God for Gethsemane. Thank God for Jesus. You don't have to pay for your sins. They're already paid for. Your salvation has already been purchased. You just have to receive it You don't have to live in guilt and shame and you don't have to punish yourself and you don't have to limit yourself because of your mistakes, because of your failures, because of your sin. You don't have to. It's already been paid for. You just need to align yourself with what's already been done and say, I believe that. So tonight as we come to communion, We do this in remembrance of what Jesus did, that he bore our sin, our shame. He said yes to you. Some of you are living under deep guilt and shame, and some of you are wrestling with some things in your life, and. You think that's, I, I, I'll never be better than this. Some of you don't, some of you are saved, but you, you aren't living the God life that he has for you because you still think you're something else. And you are no longer a sinner because you put your faith in Christ. You're actually a saint. And so God wants you to live from who you are, from who he has made you. You are a child of God. That's who you are. So tonight we come and we remember. If we can, let's stand to our feet. There's communion. There's these little cups that are in these holders. If you don't have one, if you can't go and step out from your seat and make your way to grab a communion cup. And once everyone has one, we're gonna take communion together so we can do that. There's some, there's some here, there's some in the back. Maybe everybody already has some, I don't know. What I love about communion is that uh, it reminds us that we're a family. There's no, uh, there's no hierarchy here. The cross of Jesus flattens the hierarchy curve. And we all stand in total need of him. And we remember that he brought us into his family. So if you can, go ahead and open the, your communion. The, the wafers on the bottom so you can peel that off. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. Tonight, I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you. Do this in remembrance of what he's done for you. As you rehearse things are in your own mind, as you rehearse actions of your own life, as you rehearse who you think you are, as you rehearse, Jesus says, no, do, do this to remember who you are is because I Shed my blood for you. Who you are is because I died in your place. Who you are is because I rescued you. We have a wafer that we're going to eat. And this wafer represents the body of Christ. It was whipped and beaten. It was striped. And by his stripes, he was purchasing our healing emotional, spiritual physical this body represents what he bore in his own flesh and what was done to his body was because he said yes to you and so if we can let's just take a moment Lord we come to your table tonight We thank you for saying yes to us. Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you that neither of you were willing for us to endure what we deserved. And we will live from what you have done. We can't pay our price. We can't heal our brokenness. And so, Lord, tonight as we eat your body, we celebrate that you bore my healing through your affliction. You bore my infirmities, you bore my brokenness, you bore what I, what I inherited even from the DNA of Adam up to my parents, you, you bore my addiction, you bore my, my tendencies, you bore them in your body. And so as we eat of your bread, Lord, we receive the nourishment of what came through your body. We put our faith that you purchased our healing through your body, mind, soul, emotions, heart. In the name of Jesus, let's eat of the bread tonight. Thank you for your healing, Lord. Thank you for healing our bodies. Thank you for healing our minds. Thank you for restoring our broken hearts. Thank you for relieving our bitterness. Just receive it. If you have a need in your body tonight or emotional need or a spiritual need, just just right where I just thank God. God, thank you that you purchased my healing. And just then, then claim that. Whatever that is. I thank you that you purchased my healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you purchased my healing of the way I think. The healing of the way I process. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, we're going to take the cup. And this cup represents the blood of Jesus. That... Through him shedding his blood, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Every sin you ever committed and every sin you will ever commit, you are already forgiven. You are made whole. Not by always what you feel, but he says, when you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. So when you think something else, no, 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 no. I am healed and I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Lord, as we take just a couple moments, we want to say thank you. We recognize how deep your love is for us. Father, we recognize how deep your love for us is. And so, Lord, as we close this service and sing together, may you meet us, may you speak to us as we worship you.
1: Beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of The father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen ones Bring many sons to glory breath has brought me life I know that it is
0: Friends, may you leave tonight knowing that He loves you and He paid the ransom for you. And this would not be a, uh, I would say this, the more appropriate way to end this tonight is to ask all of us just to bow our heads just for a moment. We always want to give the gospel of Jesus Christ supreme position if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus and you recognize you have not put your faith in him and you tonight want to know and you want to give your life to him and you want to ask him to cleanse you if you want to come into alignment with him and receive salvation if you want to do that tonight nobody's looking around just raise your hand right where you are just lift it high God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. And we're going to all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for paying my ransom. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saying yes to me. Thank you for raising from the dead so that I could have life. I put my faith and my trust in you. I belong to you and I receive your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.